With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. from the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gav. With me I have got Davo, Kev and Pete. And before we go on, I fucking know it's a new intro, right? I know it was the best intro of all time ever, but we got done for copyright and they told us to take it down. So we had to take it down. We'll probably get done for copyright for this one as well. <laughs> and I'll spend another fucking five days looking for more music. So, um, apologies. Um, Hannah alone says the music different. It is, Hannah. We're sorry um, because we're going to get loads of complaints about it. We did take the music from a royalty-free website, and then it turns out it's not fucking free at all. So they're lying bastards, right? So um, let's get on with it. Winners and losers. We're going to try to do this in an hour. We say that every week. Davos been working about an hour and a half, so we have to get it yeah. sorted. All right. Are you off this week? No. Oh, fucking don't, don't ever tell us you're shift off because we, we keep you at one o'clock. Um, anyway, you know how it works by now. Uh, the three lads bring a winner, the three lads bring a loser. We pick them at random as we go, and anything else that turns up in the meantime, we'll have a go. We, if anyone wants to feel like they want to talk about Arsenal, fucking fire away because um, that's what you get for getting a manager of a month award when you lose a fucking game in the month. So, um, Kev, let's start with you. Let's start with your winner, Kev. Let's start on a positive. Start on a positive, right? Winner of the week, <laughs> football club. Go on, say that again. <coughs> Everton Football Club. Everton Football Club are your winner of the week. Come on. They have to be. Um, after the result midweek with uh, Burnley losing like that, um, playing Manchester United at home with a, f- a crowd that's definitely going to be baying for blood if you don't get it right. And they got the result they needed. And they had to get it because they were doomed. Let's be honest, they were done. And 
with the way the weekend results panned out, it's worked out brilliantly for them. And you sometimes you've got to give the devil the due. And bringing the experienced players back in, in Delph and Coleman, helped them an awful lot. What also helped them was Manchester United were absolutely atrocious. I mean, I got friends and family who are Man United fans, and they're they're past they're past it now. They're past the uh, the grieving stage. They're in the I don't give a shit stage now. You know, your fan, you know, your fan yeah. I met uh, on Saturday afternoon about an hour after the game said, "Giving up. I've given up <laughs> on this season. Like, yeah. Literally, play all the unfuls. I'm sick of it." Yeah, and that's what I'm getting off my cousins as well. They're all saying the same thing, and it wasn't unexpected. But at the same time, with the run of form that Everton have been on. Their home form hasn't been that bad. You know, the, they were robbed of a point against Man City by a dodgy decision. And to turn that performance in and that result in on the back of losing to Burnley in the way they lost, just got to give the devil to you. And fair play to them. They, they needed that and they deserved it. They deserved it on the day as well, you know, because they spoiled Manchester United. They literally limited them to... Not an awful lot. How hard is um, it to limit Manchester United? <clears throat> it shouldn't be as easy as what Everton made. And bear in mind, this is an Everton side who are fighting for their lives, but they're at the wrong end of the table after getting a, a beating off Burnley. You, that's a game that you should, especially in the position that Manchester United were in. You know, that was a, we said it on Friday night, didn't we? That was a game that they had to win mm-hmm. because of their chase for top four. Yeah. That's virtually gone now. Yeah. You know, and there's six points off top four. They're done. And you know? I have to be honest with you. I, I predicted United to win that game on Saturday. Yes, and it was, so based, it, was all, it was actually off the back of listening to Dave Downey on the on um, the Blue Room. I listened to the Blue Room on Thursday or Friday. And he was saying, look, the way we're playing, you know, Sancho up against the Coleman, you know, um, Ronaldo up against their centre-halves. You know, um, Fernandez up against whoever sits deep in their midfield. He was going through like when he went through it, it was like, yeah, Alan, fair point. Yeah, was, Alan but, came but, back in and dealt. But in <laughs> fairness, like, and you can touch on United as well. Everton went out and they did spoil United. They stopped them. They they made it a really quick pace game. Um, they went wide, which United don't like. United yeah. like to sit all these players in the middle of the park because Klopp's dad, who manages them, um, thinks that's the best thing to do, and. Everton, I think, deservedly won it. Davo, like, that's a huge win for Everton. Me and you have been talking about it all week. Um, I actually got you on side with regards to Everton going down and then it quickly ended. Yeah, I, I, I blame you on them getting that win. So I, started getting, <laughs> yeah. I started getting horny about them going down after Burnley when I told you for the last... I yeah. told you for the last four or five weeks they'd stay up comfortably. Yeah. And I think they will stay up comfortably now. I think that that lad, that weekend just gone has got them safe. Burnley, four points clear of Burnley now. Yeah, Burnley, Burnley, are, Burnley are playing a different sport. Like the one, the, the one good thing, listen, I love and everything to go, it have been hilarious. But on the flip side of that, we're going to see the back of Burnley, thanks be the Jays, because they don't play football. It's a different sport they play. They're absolutely fucking atrocious. Atrocious. So, now, huge, huge win for Everton. I, I tend, being the age that I am, having grown up with United, breaking my heart all the way through secondary school, I tend not to watch a whole lot of them, but I actually watched that game the weekend and they were fucking deplorable. They are absolutely deplorable. <coughs> they could have been there till now. I wouldn't have scored. So, now, fair play to Everton. They, they are they're, they're the huge winners of the weekend, considering like, that's, that's, them, that's them safe. I know well, they, considering, they have considering, more games. But. Considering, like, 
you know, they're probably looking up at Leeds and Newcastle, who both win. Newcastle beat Wolves mm. on Friday night. Um, Leeds beat Watford 3-0 on Saturday. Um, and when they start, and when you see that and you start looking down, you think to yourself, right, what's happening? Do you know what I mean? Um, Watford get beaten. Burnley get beaten. Although by Norwich, it doesn't really make a difference. But it, mm. it just pushes everything four points clear. But, like, they are, they are the winner of the weekend. There's no doubt about it, Pete. But, um, like, when you look at that United side, and you look what they put out, and then we're in hours of, of, of them being beaten, you know, it's like, oh, Ten Hag is coming in, and he wants about 80 different assurances before he comes in. He's going to tell six or eight players they can live, although I think six of them are out of contract. He wants to keep a lot of players that probably would want to live. Um, then there's rumour today, was it the RB Leipzig may make a move for Ten Hag and go, listen, we'll bring you here and we'll, you know, um, do this, that, and the other. Like, Pete, they're... They had to win that game on Saturday. They had, like, they're looking Listen. at Arsenal. They're looking at Spurs and the, the, even West Ham. And they go out there and they are, like like Davo said, and we've still to play them. And the United fan I also spoke to said, my worst nightmare is going to be Tuesday week when we go to Anfield. Because Ma- Ma- to be. Manchester United, I mean, are so far down the rabbit hole. The only thing that associates Manchester United with what you would normally expect from Manchester United is their name. One point from six... I, I mean, it's it's incredible. There's no, I mean, no cohesion there. And it's funny, every time, every six months, it, it seems now that they mention a new manager. It's almost like they expect it, like a video game, expect a new manager to come in, ship out billions of euros worth of talent, billions of pounds worth of talent, and just ship in a lot. I mean, they think that Anthony is going to come from my ex. They think that all these good, good players are going, it's not going to happen. Manchester United have so many problems that, you know, they've had on paper the best managers in the world come in and, and and try to do it. But the problem is you can't, it's an agent's game now. You cannot move these lads. Right, they'll move Pogba on at last. and They'll move a couple of lads on. But there's a lot of lads sitting there, you know, and Manchester United... they're not moving Pogba on. Pogba is deciding when he leaves. But Manchester United as an institution are happy with the likes of him and others having... 29 million followers on Instagram and all of this garbage. It's not about, it's top to bottom, absolutely rotten. They're finished, not for three years, not for four years, for a good 10, 15 years. They're gone. I mean, they're gone beyond where we went. With Liverpool, you know, you were always three, four decent seasons and a bit of organisation away. But Manchester United are a decade, maybe more away from game. I mean, they would be better off probably just cancelling every player's contract. And they'd probably be better off doing that, Gav, and saying to someone, listen, let's absolutely start from scratch. Let's see what what this brilliant kids' academy is about and, and really try to be about what they're about. There is nothing... You mean, look at Everton, you know, and you're right, the Blue Room made some very, very good points individually, but that's the problem. They've got a squad of individuals. And individuals win you nothing. You, you, I look at Wan Bissaka, and you know I'm not even going to talk about comparisons. But you look at how frightened Manchester United players looked frightened 
against Devon. Bruno Fernandes, again, exposed for what he actually is. I just couldn't He's believe they brought on Juan Mata. When I seen Juan Mata coming on the pitch, I was like, this, what the fuck is going on? But the closest thing to organisation is him. Juan Mata came on and he was pointing fingers everywhere. He was telling people where they needed to go and yeah. he was right. But, but hold on. The problem is he's 35 years of age. Right, but if, 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 if he's on a pitch and he's pointing at people and telling them where to go and he's right, why isn't he being in the team? This yeah, just I, seems I, like this I, just seems like to me it's just I just keep throwing shit at it and see and see look, what happens. Exactly, Gav, and listen, sums and, it up. And, and another Fred, thing, another Fred thing he may said to me, another another thing he may said to me, and he like he do, he's just given up on the season, and he turned around and he says they're going to need five years. He said, but the problem is United fans won't wait five years, and he said the people in charge do not have the ability to make a decision to wait but Gav, five years. They don't. They don't need to. Those guys, listen. That, the Glazers are, 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 have just, I mean, it's a masterstroke from them as business people. They've bought the, one of the best leverage businesses that you can to leverage against loans for things that you are interested in. The Glazers aren't interested in Manchester United or football. They're not interested in it. What they're interested in is buying other things and using Manchester United. And you know what I love is the fact that it took them so many years to build up this stellar reputation. And and a bunch of Americans just come in and go, that's great, fantastic, sell them, sell them the dream and this and use that reputation with banks all over the world to leverage for loans against things that they're actually interested in. There's no reason for the Glazers to sell and they won't sell. You won't find a, a more sure a bet with a bank anywhere in the world than Manchester United PLC. This is the beauty. No, but that's why nobody can buy them because these lads don't want to sell. They just want to borrow for other things that they're interested in and leverage Manchester. Well, they're not even borrowing they're anymore. They're taking, they're taking somewhere around 120 million a year out of the club. I seen something last week where in uh, they taken something like 1.5 billion out of Manchester United. They bought United on loans. We all know that. But um, it's I, I just um, well, a good thing that came. Of, well, it was an interesting one that came a couple of months ago. There was an IPL auction for a new franchise in the Indian Cricket League. And the Glazers wanted to bid for this new franchise, and it was over a billion uh, billion dollars that they wanted to bid for it, and they missed out on it. But that tells you where they're at. You look at the market in India for IPL, that is massive printing money, like it's going out of fashion. It's a six-week tournament, and they, were, they lost out in a bid of over a billion dollars to get this franchise. That tells you how much money is in it. You look at what they're interested in buying in America with new stadiums and the sports ventures that they have going on over there. And then you look at Old Trafford and you look at Carrington and you look at a tired old squad. What, as Pete said, a stellar name and a name that is a license to print money. You He's go right. to the bank, Kev. You go to the bank and say, I own Manchester United. I'm also interested in, in, in investing in IPL or something else. Can I leverage Manchester? Yeah, of course. The answer is yeah. they yeah. those lads don't have to sell and they won't sell. No, they no, won't. it is it, it is it is a cash cow, but um you know they're in danger of finishing they're in danger of finishing your way for conference fucking levels like um just quickly on it, Davo, before we move on, um United out of the top four race. Um they have yeah, to play they have yeah, to play yeah, Arsenal. Look. They have to play Arsenal. Like the, the like the mad thing is, is that up until a couple of weeks, I would I would have just said, like I said to you, growing up and watching them pull so many stuff out of the bag, it gets ingrained in you that the console, you know what I mean. They're like cockroaches; you can't kill them. And I would have thought 
they might still sneak forward because I don't trust Arsenal and Spurs. But the players just have seemed to chant the towelling, just that they don't. Like Pete said, there's going to be a lot of them that won't be there next year. Um, so they all, I think a lot of them are just kind of looking around going, listen, do we really give a fuck? Listen, the, the one thing that sums up the whole club here from top to bottom, start to finish, everything like that is they've now a manager and they gave Bruno Fernandes a new contract. Um that they didn't need to give him. He's not like he's he's a, he's he's three years left or something like that. Like he's only in the door eighteen months. So they they, they gave him a new deal. They've now a manager, and they gave a fella a new contract that has probably that probably has three years left on on a deal. So it's absolutely fucking ludicrous, fucking stuff there. Is so it, yeah, I think they're over it. Yeah, is, and and just staying with you is is it a bit of a mad one that Ten Hag would, would consider going there? And I know, like you've said, they're a stellar name. You know, they, they have got money. They do spend it, but they probably don't spend enough for their fans because they know there's money being taken out by Glazers for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, isn't it? And um, mm. if they're going into the, the IPL and stuff like that. Davo, is he mad to go near it? Because I just think... Well, listen, I've, I, was, I was thinking about it today, listening to a few different podcasts about him coming in, and the, the one kind of thing that popped into my head was he's probably not mad going near it because what kind of money is he on at OX? If he takes the, the United job, even if it goes tits up, his family and, and his family and the generations behind him are probably set for the rest of their lives. Do you want to coin away now? I know that's probably a cynical way of looking at it, or um, like maybe he's not that type of bloke. But I mean, he's probably he's probably walking into the job name and his price. Whereas a Ajax would he be on a millionaire? A Ajax manager? I'm not sure. I don't know. Would he be on? He'd be on two or sure, three million a year. No, you make your money in the Champions League with Ajax. Yeah. So I listen football and boys. Like there's, there's people that know a lot more of it than me, but if you put the structures in place around them, he'll probably do a very good job. How long is it going to take to get the structures in place around me? You know, that's the problem, so, Davo. They, probably... they don't seem to want to put the structures in place because the structures in place would expose what United fans are probably saying. You know, like <laughs> if he come in there and said, right, I'm bringing Van der Sar with me as a director of football, right? And the Glazers say, Joel Glazer, whoever, whoever, who's running that bleeding club at the minute? Um, they probably ring Gary Neville to ask him what he thinks. <laughs> but, um, but if he brings him in, what happens is you have a step between your manager and your owners where if the manager manages to agree with the director of football, i.e. Van der Sar, say, and goes to the owners, it puts extra pressure on them. You don't want that. You don't want that. That's why Solskjaer lasted so long. Solskjaer just sat there and went, you know, I'll just take it. I'll just take whatever I'm given. I'm just happy to be here. You know, it could be. Um, it could. Be, it'd be an interesting one. I think he's highly rated. Well, I listened to. I, I listened to. Uh, off the ball had Simon Cooper on. You know, your man wrote football against the mm-hmm. enemy or whatever. He's he's based in yeah. Holland. So he knows, he, he, know, he knows a lot about him, and he was basically kind of saying. It wasn't kind of alarm bells when I listened to it for you, but he was basically saying he's a very laid back kind of laissez faire kind of like your mum was asking him, like, what about these leaks coming from dressing room from agents and the players are telling their agents and whatnot? And he was like, he kind of treats people like adults. He's kind of says, listen, if you are going to do that, I can't stop you. But I don't like, do you know what I mean? It's like, we're not going to get the best out of ourselves. So why are you doing it? He's not going to come in basically and rule with an iron fist at all. Uh, he's more. He treats people. He treats the players as adults, and he'll go about. He, he'll move on from there. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be involved in transfers. He doesn't need to have the like to be have that autonomy throughout the club. But I would have thought that that club with the group of players that are there, it's probably too far gone for somebody to come in and say, "Listen, I'm going to treat you like adults because 
they haven't really been behaving as adults for the last fucking five or six years, the, the, the squad at United. I'm just amazed there's any manager looking to better himself. And he definitely is Ten Hag if he's looking to leave Ajax and come to England. Um, because of the, I'm not saying nothing wrong with Ajax, I'm saying the standard of football and the standard of competition and where you can go with it. I'm just amazed that any manager out there at the moment in 2022 is not sitting on their hands and saying City and possibly Liverpool jobs is up in two years' time. I could literally do Ajax for another two years and then go and put myself forward for one of these two jobs and, and could get it. Because I don't think there's any mm. standard ones out there, but we'll see how it goes. But Everton winner of the week for Kev, um, good result for them. They move four points clear of Burnley with about seven games left, I think. Um, mm. Everton still have a hard run, but Burnley are shy. So that's how mm. it goes. P, I'll come to you. Uh, loser of the week. For me, I think I said all the doubters. The doubters, the last time I was on the show, you know, I kind of said that Liverpool. Um, and I remember clearly Liverpool were on a different level to everybody else, and I was laughed at a little bit. And, you know, I was probably a little bit mad. We are having a bit of a sticky patch. But I just really think, uh, you know, I mean, we have a great laugh. Andy's the best in the world. You know, after every match, he, he takes his point off for, uh, you know, top reds versus bottom reds. And I love it. It's the highlight of my week. And it underlines everything that, you know, I'm going to say is that, you know, <laughs> Twitter's fantastic and Facebook is fantastic. We all have our opinions, but just trust the process. And the real losers of the week are the lads that don't trust the process, so much so you can see them going online. After we take a point away from a very, very, very difficult a, a game where we went, we just we made every mistake you could possibly imagine in the first 45 minutes. And then, you know, talk. I'll, I'll talk about we win our later on of the week, you know, after the 45 minutes. And, you know, they're kind of, even our own supporters are, I don't want to mention what we call them, but our own supporters are kind of fuming because, you know, they haven't trusted the process and we are different levels. So loser of the week are people that don't trust what goes on at Liverpool and don't get down on their hands and knees and pray that it just continues for all the reasons that we talked about earlier on, you know, about Manchester United. There's a process to this game and you can't just throw 300, 400, 500 million at it and hope that everything changes. It just won't. It's a process. It starts with trusting somebody to take control of it top to bottom, which is what we have. So for me, the losers a week are always going to be those people that just don't trust what we're doing. 14 points. I know a lot of people say this. Somebody made a comment. 14. It was 14, 14 points with two games in hand, but the games in hand means There's no football. such thing. You, you, the game, if you ask Shane, myself, yourself, you'll always say, I'd rather have the points in the bag. You know, you know, 14 points was ported, but they've bottled a 14-point lead. But I wouldn't even say bottled because nobody's looked at City and went, oh, they've been awful. But it's us, just as a process, as the way we go about things. And it starts with the, who he brings in, how he brings them in, and, and what he does. So the losers of the week are the people, for me, that don't trust I don't care now. When people tell me, oh, we're linked with this fellow, we're linked, I just go, great. It's going to be great. We'll just bring them in and everything's going to work out. I did see I did some see some people on social media yesterday, you know, and like the game was only over and they were like, um, um, we should be signing this fella in the summer. We should be doing this in the summer. We should be doing that. And I'm kind of going, what are you thinking about the summer? You know, um, and sometimes I don't get it because you'll see people giving out about how City have been put together. How they um, how they get a squad together, how they they go about their business, and you go up against them for as much as you hate what they've done, and you know you know where you know where I'm going with that, and then people are going oh, blowing a chance. 
we should we need this we need that and you're kind of going well mm, to do that you probably need to do something a bit mental which is along the city lines um kev is some of it though and i kind of feel this some of when people get frustrated at yesterday it's i don't know if they're actually frustrated at liverpool i don't know if they're actually frustrated with the team i think it's it's just it's a way of venting because you know how tight this is you know how one mistake could change everything is it just people letting off a bit of steam and that's just our outlet I think you've got to look at the, the... It's difficult to articulate something in 280 characters on Twitter. Very difficult. You know, what you've got in your head and what you type in a keyboard and press send, it all depends on how someone interprets what you've printed. So I can understand frustration when we've all built this game up since January. That We knew the end. Pete was right. We were 14 points behind, but we knew the end result was this one game. And truth be told, we got away with one. And we got the point, and happy days. We deserved the point, but we didn't deserve any more than that. That's for certain. And it would have been a highway robbery of the finest order if we'd have got any more. It would have been fucking amazing. It would have been fantastic. We'd have been still on from last night's pod. We'd be still glorying about it. But Me and, me and Shani probably <laughs> wouldn't have had a row if you'd have got a winner. No, you would. No, you still had a row over that offside goal that wasn't offside. But it was, it's one of those things. The process can be frustrating at times when you know that the players are capable of more than what you're seeing on the pitch at the moment. They're not playing. I've said it for weeks. We're not playing great, but we're getting results done. We're getting the job done. But we aren't at our scintillating best. And we were all desperate for that performance yesterday, all of us. We were all desperate for everyone to turn up on the day and show what they're made of and show what they can do. And some of them didn't, you know, especially in the first half. I mean, you can go through five or six players in the first half who were really poor, really off the boil. But then you have to remind yourself that these guys are human beings and Man City are very, very good. And <laughs> we don't acknowledge the fact that football isn't a game that you play on a video screen. And we don't acknowledge when other sides do something really good. Podcasts in general, across the board, are very weak at doing that. <clears throat> and I thought Kevin De Bruyne yesterday was outstanding. And he's one of the rare footballers for opposing sides that, I'll oh, sit here, play Kevin De Bruyne. I go out of my, and he had a good game. I find the highlights. And watch him. He's he's one of those. He's one of the few out in world football now that is just that good. And he's capable of doing that to sides. He's capable of doing that to Fabinho. You know what he did for that deflected goal, taking that ball to the side and getting a shot off. He's very good at it. And you can't always defend everything perfectly as much as what you want to. So I can understand the frustration at the end of the game because you know what you wanted to see and you didn't see what you wanted to see but at the same time look at where you are and be thankful for where you are because I remember 10 years ago we'd have dreamed for this oh absolutely you know, we would you know there's, there's, there's so, no doubt about it um, Shani very has, short memories and selective memories yeah Shani has warned me not to have any more rails he said he will be in for dance later with just sound um, and he's grand everyone just lets you know Davo you know, there is like there is people out there that literally react to, will react to any sort of, um, 
not even a negative result, any sort of anything less than three points with we need this, we need that, we need this. Like I seen something on Twitter today where people were literally taking stills of City's first goal and going, look at him doing this and look at him and hits mm. him and him and him and him. Okay. And, you're, and you're like, what the fuck are you playing at? Um, you know, when you look at City's first goal, the foul, Liverpool are unhappy about it. They play a quick free kick. He goes by somebody. Yeah. He hits a shot. Is it great? No. It takes a deflection and goes in. Shit happens. You know what I mean? Mm. But you just take them. They, they can't be perfect all the time. But I'll, I'll ask you the same question. I'm more or less the same question. About, is this just the nerves with some people? You know, like after that game yesterday, I'm all over the quadruple. All right. And I'll, I'm fully prepared to be laughed at the end of the season if we are sitting here with just a late cup. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it because I don't really give a bollocks what loads of people mm-hmm. think. Right. But you, there is part of me yesterday when it's after the game and, you know, if we'd have just fucking done this or if we'd have just been a bit more solid, is it just a way of venting? Because I do, yeah, look at I do. People can't, you, people you, can't you, be that fucking. Like, no, you know, Louis and Louis can that WhatsApp, and that's a, that's a, that's venting for me in there. Yeah. Like, like yesterday comes down to right, it comes down to this game, right? Now, the game ends too well, and you've people saying, uh, seeing people actually seeing Paul Garsh replying to Rob Gutman, Rob Gutman saying, listen, I think we might need maybe an elite midfielder and, and whatnot, which, which, uh, may very well be a, a valid point. But Paul Garst was spot on from the echo. His reply to him was, listen, Rob, after watching that game, I'm not sure that anything further was further from my mind than I think Liverpool need more players because of, of, of how we dug in and et cetera, et cetera. But listen, it's the flip side. We watched that game yesterday um, and we it's in our hands before the game. If we win the game, we win all the games, we win the league. It ends up a draw. Now, fans are going to go, like, I was sitting there. Are you going to sit there and say, would you be happy losing the game three two going for it, trying to win it? No, the fans would turn around and go, "Well, we should have probably dug in and stuck in for a point, uh, and and hope they slipped up." Or and then you have the flip side of it um, of of what did happen. We drew we drew the game. Some fans aren't happy that we drew the game. We should have went for a winner. Look, at, we're up against a fucking brilliant team, a brilliant team, and we fucking we, like Kev alluded to it. I think last night. We've played them twice this season and we've played for two halves and we've drawn fucking and we've drawn the two games. We've been absolutely atrocious in both first halves and City haven't beaten us. Mm. So look, it's it is a way of ending. We we look we could as like I said to someone today about all other teams that are thinking about putting a title run together or whatever. That was that was our first we'd won ten in a row, hadn't we, in the league before yesterday? Mm-hmm. So that's 10 wins and a draw. We could win our next seven. That would be seven name wins and one draw in the last eight in the Mighty the Lake. Yeah. Now, that's that's absolutely scandalous. Yeah. A point out from both clubs, but in fairness, you'd have to give City that due if they do end up on top. So you're dealing with you're dealing with a different kind of level here altogether. Seven day, seven day wins and one draw in the last eight in games and not win a league. Mm. Now, listen, we might drop points we might, and City might drop points. We don't know who's going to win the league, but there is a, there is a viable situation where we'll have played, we'll have won 17 of our last 18 games and not win a league. Mm. And that's just where we are at the minute. It'd be fucking great if we were up against kind of a weaker, if there was a lull in the Premier League and we were the top dogs pissing all over everyone and winning four out of five leagues. But we're not two sensational teams. And 
we just have to see see where we go, really. Do you know what I mean? There's no point in kind of overthinking it. If it is what it is yesterday, we've got a point, we've seven left and see what happens. Fucking right. Um starting with Saturday as well against them. Um Davo, I have to stick with you, I think. Um winner, please. Oh, winner of the week for me is sports, big time. Uh similar to the way the weekend went for Everton, I think uh, it went very, very well for sports. <laughs> I think we, we just discussed United earlier, they're probably over. So it comes down to Arsenal. Arsenal after losing three in a row, or three out of four, anyway. Um, um, he's probably a manager of the month as well. Yeah, Spurs, Spurs, I was looking earlier on, doing a bit of research for the change. They've, they've won, they've, that's, that's five out of six wins for Spurs in the league. The slight caveat is, is over trusting them is they lost three two to a fucking deplorable United side. But listen, since then, they've, they've got their act together. And their run-in is very, very, very kind. They have Arsenal and us. And then the other games they have is Brighton at home, Brentford away, Leicester at home, Burnley at home and Norwich away. That's four wins for me. That's that's that's, that's 15 out of 15. And it probably will be enough, yeah. They've got a, if they got a point against Arsenal, that probably knocks Arsenal out of it. And then the, the game against us. And listen, They'll absolutely give us a game because of how how much quality that the front three have. Kulusevski looks a real player, looks looks a real find. Um, Kane and Tony, yes, they know. Listen, they were obviously helped an awful lot by Villa's uh, very very poor defending, and they owe Loris a bit of a day um, from the first half. He was uh, he was busy. I think a lot of his saves are very comfortable. One of them was was outstanding. I think his four save from Ramsey when he was running through was a really, really, really good save. Would he, would he, how's he got his arm up there? That was, yeah, how's he got his arm? Yeah, would he, would he get away? Would he get away? With, would he get away with that sort of force half against us at Anfield? Though? No, they no, they probably wouldn't. So that's the, that's the that's that's the thing. But now listen, there the with the way the results went uh, and my kind of winner and loser tie in together, and with Conte going in there. Um, with Conte going in there and doing like he's an elite, he's an elite manager. Like he's an elite. He's, he's won one leagues at Chelsea, one leagues at Inter Milan. He's gone in there, taking him a while to kind of try and get some kind of system. Because listen, let's be honest, they 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 will back him. They should be backing him in the summer. They probably will back him because if they don't, he'll throw the toys out of him and walk. I don't see sports letting sure. that happen. I don't see sports letting that happen. So. He'll he'll get it he'll get it right with them and if they can just kind of sneak in and get fourth this year because I I thought a few weeks ago if Arsenal don't get it this year they'll never get it and I, I don't think that I don't think they're going to get it this year but I think yeah I think for the weekend a great weekend for sports and uh, they're my winners of the week yeah and you know as we spoke we spoke earlier about um, Everton winning and the teams around them even the team well, the teams above them had good wins but the teams below them lost. So they, they made up, like they pulled away. You know, mm. they haven't lost any ground on the teams above them and they've pulled away from ones below. Whereas Spurs, when you look, we're looking at Arsenal, I think being about five, six points clear of Spurs with two games in hand or something, going mm. back a, a week or two ago. And now Spurs have gone ahead of them, three points ahead of them. Just one game yeah, in hand, I think. Yeah, I think they're three points ahead of them and Arsenal will have a game in hand. I yeah, think, Arsenal, I'm not sure. They but I think yeah. Arsenal's game in hand is Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea away. So, but Kev... Just looking at sports, and we spoke about it. Um, we spoke about it earlier in the season when we were looking at four plays. We were saying, um, not earlier in the season, probably a couple of weeks ago. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was a case of United need it because they're Manchester United. They feel they should be there. Arsenal need it for me because if they don't get there, I think they're going to be the people are going to go in there and plunder that squad. 
Um, no matter how much Arsenal think they can hold on to them, there will be players there going, I'll never, like Davos said, are we never going to make this Champions League? Saka, Martinelli, even the likes of an Odegaard, who's been really good this season, could go, oh, fuck this. Do you know what I mean? We put everything into <coughs> this. And, um, you know, Ben White's reputation's gone up. Gabriel's reputation has gone up. Um, there is players there that I'm sure teams in, in maybe in top four and even have aspirations of getting in the top four would, would go in there and have a look at Arsenal. Um, yeah. But Spurs, we said needed it because they lost a shitload of money during COVID because they'd so much lined up for that stadium after a huge outlay. And it was kind of like financially Spurs needed more than the other two. Um, they look good for it now. And that run-in does seem kind to them, Kevin. You know, that I couldn't believe... We were talking about sports a couple of weeks ago. It looked like Arsenal had it nailed on and the, the run they're on, but they just, they're just starting to collapse and, and sports have taken full advantage. Yeah, it's, I'll get to Arsenal later, but Spurs, to be fair to them, the moves that they made in the transfer market, they weren't cheap players that they were bringing in, like uh, Romero, nearly 50 million. Um, Hoiberg took a gamble and Bentoncourt, not nailing down a place at Juventus, but good enough to be in and around the Juventus squad. And Kulisevsky, again, another one. You know, good enough to be around at Juventus, but they took a punt on him and they've, they've I believe kicked on. They, they've, have a, they have an option to buy. But they have an option to buy on him. Yep, I, I did hear somewhere the option only applies if they make Champions League. I think yeah. it's something like that. But I think, it, and it's not massive money for what he's returning million, either. Yeah, it's, it's a gamble. It was a gamble to do it, but it's a sure bet that they'll that they'll that they'll definitely bring him in. Conte deserves a lot of credit because of the amount of stick that he got earlier on. That he didn't care. That he was too public. That he's he was uh, gone in the summer. He couldn't deal with Levy. They're the second best side in the country on form in the last ten games. I think they're only behind us. For in, in the forum guide, and that's the kind of form that they needed. They've all they've all bought into this contest system of your five three two or five two three, whichever way he wants to dress it up, depending on who he's playing. And all the players are bought into it, and the squad is actually pretty much built for that because of what Nuno wanted to do. Nuno built a side around wing backs, and Conte has just elevated that, and he's got Kane and Son playing a tune again. I mean, Hyungmin's son is a phenomenal player. And if you can get him right, Kane dropping deeper again, picking passes, he's very good at it. And if you can get him feeding son, they're, they're going to give you a chance in games, whether they're against good sides or your weaker sides. They're, all, they're always in a game. And they look hard to beat. Lloris is dodgy. You know, he's capable of moments, like Davos said, with the, with that great save. Yeah, he, he do more but he, he, but he flaps it an awful lot as well, and he spills a lot. And if it wasn't for the fact, and I don't know how some like Manyan or there's another keeper in France, and his name escapes me, Lafont, that they haven't pushed him harder to get into the French side. But he's trusted, and what can you do? He's a Spurs captain as well. You know, that they've never taken it off him and decided, look, Kane is being the captain. We're going to build everything around Harry Kane. No, they've stuck. They've stuck with Hugo Lloris. 
And I think he's French captain as well, isn't he, Kev? So yeah. I imagine that's probably the reason he's yeah. probably just just doing enough. Manyan will be the one really pushing him hard because he's had an excellent he's he's a, injury, a few injuries earlier on at Milan, but he's had a really strong season. Really, really yeah, strong. Yeah, he's season. been good for Milan. Yeah, the move to Milan has really helped him out. Mm. Spurs. I did. I honestly thought Man United if, about two or three weeks ago. I, th- I said United would put a run together and probably get into the top four because of on paper they have forwards that can score goals but they've just collapsed they, everyone else it was a stage for about a month wasn't it nobody wants mm. this fourth slot nobody wants it and then the best thing to happen to Spurs was going out of Europe when they did it gave Conte time to work on a training pitch and it's paying dividends now mm. this was supposed to be Arsenal's saving grace that Arsenal didn't have Europe they had time to bed a system in, and they did. They showed glimpses <coughs> yeah, of what they, you... could, they could do on a run, but when the Kev, to think, Kev. young young players, they just you can't you can't depend on it. Well, we're gone. But we're you gone. can't ship you can't ship a player that scores twenty goals out the door. A good manager. This is why I don't buy into the whole. Well, well we will. Is system. this Arsenal? Because yeah. co- Arsenal's coming up later. Yeah. So, Pete, stick at yeah. the spores. Um, yeah, you know. We touched on the whole financial thing. Um, Conte's in. Now, Conte was having an absolute meltdown. Um, turn of the year, a little bit after that. And he was like saying mad stuff. Um, I think they're beat, are they beaten by Burnley? And he has yeah. a breakdown. And, um, you know, and you're kind of going, he is out of there. Like he's, there's something seriously wrong there. But, like Kev says, Pete, he gets time. He walks the most. The most. I don't think that's. The, I still don't think they're great defensively. But I think what they're doing mm. is they're sitting back now and they're saying, "Right, we're not that great defensively." But what we will do is when we win the ball, we'll try to get the three lads up front and the wing backs helping. And, we'll, and exactly. the solid, the solidness, the solid element of our game will come through the three centre backs and the three in midfield. Um, yeah. Do you make them favourites now? Yeah, for in the best of the rest, the chase for fourth absolutely there's nothing to touch them. Arsenal won't score goals for reasons we'll, we'll reasons we'll talk about later. Um, Manchester United can't string six passes together. Uh, Wolves are completely out of it. So yeah, of course they'll get it. Chelsea are schizophrenic, so they will get it. But for me, you know, I look at Spurs and people talk about Spurs being a threat to us, and I, I I laugh at it. Spurs, if you watch Spurs in the first half against Villa, it's like they do a rope a dope. They sit back and they see what you've got. You can't afford to do that against Liverpool. Yeah, I won't say Manchester City because they beat Manchester City, but you can't afford to do that against Liverpool. Yeah, they they said to Aston. I think I think they've gone. For, I think they've even gone further into their shell since beating City. Yeah, like, yeah. Like against they, City, they against City, back, City a lot of the ball, but but Spurs, yeah, Spurs did attack he's, when they got it. You know, even yeah, now, when I watch when I watch them now, Pete, it's like there's literally times in the game where Spurs get it and go not interested. Not the right That's time, the not thing. interested. They just what they want to do, and it's clever what he's doing. He wants to spring hit Kane directly and early. And Kane is in fairness to Kane dropping off. It's like Teddy Sheringham years ago. What he, he used to do. If you were playing alongside Teddy Sheringham, you'd score goals. This is a fella that got goals out of Tony Cascarino. Um, Jorgen Klinsmann and him are just amazing together. So for me, looking at Kulashevsky and Son, who I think is the most underrated player in the world, by the way, you know, it's just it just look diamond. So you know, you don't talk about Spurs as midfield. It doesn't matter who's in there. Betancourt doesn't even Heiberg is a, is a workhorse. It doesn't matter who's in there. It just gets bypassed, hits Kane, and you're just springing by forty or fifty yards. But you can't do that against Liverpool. You can't say to Liverpool. You have the ball for forty-five minutes, and we see what happens. You can't. Well, they did. Danny Murphy. 
like Danny Murphy's uh, thing on match of the day last night was or the other night was in the first half sports tried to play out and they weren't able they kept losing the ball kept giving it back to Villa uh, and I could see chance after chance after chance and like I said I'm not going to take this as my analysis I was just watching match of the day and then Danny Murphy said flip it to the second half very very direct into Kane and caused an awful lot of problems for Konza and Mings. Now, Konza was very good last year. The great season, never fallen off a cliff this year. <coughs> Mings is fucking dog shit. But they were they were uh, very direct and they just couldn't live with Kane and so on. So it was it, like coming on to like, the management team we're talking about. There's an elite manager. It's not happening. We can't play it. We can't play through them. They're pressing to show you Elvis. We're conceding chances. Right, go let's go. Let's, let's go direct. Mm. And that's exactly it, Shane. Mm. And you're right about Cons and Mings. Cons and Mings, they were like one person. I think it was the third goal. They were occupying the same space of five yards. I couldn't tell you what. The one that Kane flicked on, everybody said it was the best flick on of a header ever. No, it wasn't. It was just the two centre halves were up his arse. Mm. You know, you just you don't do that. If one of, one of his goals, the other one sits off, you know what I mean, and say, okay, where's the flick going? The two boys went for the same ball. Schoolboy stuff. So you're right. Conte's looking. He, he feels you out. He's feeling teams out. So what I think he wants to do is he wants to beat the best of the rest. He knows. Listen, whatever we get out, if we get something out of Liverpool, it's a bonus. We'd probably do Arsenal because we can afford to say that to Arsenal. You're going to have the ball for 45 minutes, and we'll spring on you. Gabriel will do something stupid. You know, Arsenal will have a, a couple of brain fart moments. So they probably do Arsenal and do them handy, but you won't do Liverpool. You can't. You cannot say to Liverpool. You have the ball for 45 minutes. Happy days. We'll be two or three in the little half time. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, like, um, it's not it's not a normal game going to Liverpool. When they go to Liverpool, Liverpool could be literally chasing down one of these seven wins and Anfield would be absolutely on wheels um, because I think, it's isn't it a midweek? Yeah, it's midweek. Yeah. Mid-week. So, um, um, I just can't remember all the fixtures, lads. Sorry, um, does that mean many of them? Um, but, <laughs> well, but I'm feeling now, I, just, now yeah, I'm moving on the subject. This is just fixtures. I couldn't believe checking sports' fixtures at the South View compared to looking at all Liverpool's with the mm. Europe and the FA Cup and yeah. the games. Was yeah. like, is, that all, is that all sports have left? Yes, yeah. like, fuck yeah. the hell. And, we, and we have mountains of fixtures, yeah. Uh, but, but in fairness, it's not like sports are out of Europe and. You know, have had a huge advantage. Arsenal are out of Europe. United have gone out of Europe. So it's not like United played the European game during the week and then had to play at Everton. It's not like that. Uh, Darren Dunbar says Son said Conte is the most detailed manager he's ever worked with. And um, there was somebody there as well who was just making reference. Uh, Madge Apple says um, losing Doherty is a blow to them. Um, I think Doherty might be out for a little while, actually. Um, Regular will come in on the left hand side. He's probably more natural on the left hand side. Yeah, but I don't know how. I don't think content trusts him at the no, yeah. Yeah. Um, he is more of a left mid. We right, we'll have to wait and see. Kev, we're back to you, I think. Um yeah. and I'm glad we came back to you because Arsenal is your loser of the week, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, I was stuck between two because I thought Burnley had you know, Burnley could have saved themselves, but they didn't. But Arsenal Arsenal against Brighton. I mean, Sports is a Saturday night at 7.45. That's mm-hmm. why I have midweek in my head. Sorry. Kev, come on. Yeah. Arsenal against Brighton on paper is the easiest fixture of the weekend. It's your banker guaranteed home win because of the situation of both clubs. Brighton are an atrocious form. I think 1.6 going into the game. 1.6 games or something stupid like that. They were playing two full backs at centre-back with a recognised centre-back. Cucurella is a left mid. He was playing as left centre back. They lined up in a three-five-one-one, 
away at Arsenal and they go and win 2-1 against an Arsenal side who had more or less bar one I think bar tyranny and your and your man in mid, the central midfield that they got from Atletico Madrid can't remember his name Party. More, yeah party yeah but they had more nine of their first 11 that you'd expect to start most games and they just couldn't get a goal they couldn't find a goal they did everything but score but they were so bad at the back they were so weak and Brighton were well deserved of their 2-0 league going into the last 10 minutes it wasn't the last 10 minutes that Arsenal's came alive and when they got that, when Odegaard got that goal you know they went hell for leather but what were they doing for the other 80 minutes of the game? Well, they're beaten. They're beaten by, yeah. they're beaten by clearance for the force. Your man in the bright midfield panics and just beats the fucking ball. And all of a sudden, there's a fella down the, down the side. Um, good cut back, cross out, good finish. The second goal they play around Arsenal is if Arsenal are fucking the Lancer Senior League team. And Arsenal are all over the shop. Can't hold yeah. a line, um, chasing shadows, just, you know, not standing off when they should, not, not going into attack when they should. The finish is brilliant, though. It's a very good control finish. They hit the bar but at the Arsenal point, twice. But the point is, Arsenal had fourth in their hands for so long. And this run, this last week, has killed it. They, they've absolutely killed it. It's because they're not very good, Kev. Hmm. No, I just, they're very young. You can't get rid of goals, Kev. I, mean, I don't no, care. It, it, it was the right thing to do to get rid of Aubameyang because he but, don't no, uh, no, Kev, I disagree. I'll tell you why. I don't care if he's late for every meeting. If you're, the, if you're this great manager, this great manager of people, you recognise that Pierre Aubameyang is one of the best finishers in the world. You find a way to work with him until he gets you into the Champions League and then you, you can get rid of him. That's poor management. It's not even good he game. It's not good season game. management. Yeah, but, he, but P, hold on. He engineered it himself. And I'll tell you why he engineered it himself. Because Aubameyang wasn't just turning up late. He was doing it to challenge Arteta. That's what he was doing. He was, you know, oh, I was off collecting my mother. I was off fucking getting a tattoo. It was all random stuff he was late for. It wasn't like I was late because someone was ill. It was random stuff. It was like... Oh, well, listen, sit down um, with him, Gavin. You know, the, 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 the Thursday deals and Aldi special were on and I yeah. fucking had to go down His because we're selling the lawnmower. It That's was fair. He, but listen, here. Sit down with him and say, listen, I know you don't want to be here. I know you're probably too good to be here. I know you don't want to be playing with Martinelli. You don't want to be babysitting these kids. I know the level you've played at. I know you're 23 nearly. I know you want to go. I know there's clubs out there that want you. Do me a favour. Give me three months. Get me out of this shy. And I swear to God, I will drive you to the new camp. Yeah, the but, but, but hold on. Or, but hold on. That's what a good manager would do. No, no, no. no, 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 no I, I completely disagree. Because if 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 it comes down to Aubameyang and he's actively challenging Arteta, why, even if Arteta, if he got, if Arteta goes and says to him, listen, I know you're late and I know you're this and you're just being generally a prick, right? But if you can do this me and do that for me, Aubameyang, if he's actually challenging him by doing this for, in, instead of having a set of balls and going up and saying, listen, I don't like you, right? I don't fucking like you. I don't like the way we're playing. I don't like where you're playing me. I, this, that, and you're And Aubameyang having a set of balls to go and do him as a good player and club captain, may I add, right? Yeah. Instead of him going in there and saying, listen, I think you're a wanker. 
And I'd have yeah. to say, like Grant, Kane, I th- like hold, Kane on, hold on, Grant, I think you're a wanker. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll stick it out for six months and then we'll sort it out when you go. Right? But yeah. pr- currently, but Aubameyang engineered it because of the timing of it. He was doing it all the fucking time over the Christmas period and right up into January. And don't get me wrong, he scores goals. But you have to remember, Mikel Arteta's in that job a wet day. And if he turns around and lets the club captain decide when he comes into training, turns up for fucking games, right? And, you know, I'll, I'll go and collect my math from the shop instead of fucking yeah. actually going and doing my job. What does it say about Mikel Arteta then? And but, Gav, but, but Gav, hang on a second. Harry Kane did exactly the same things as you're saying. To, to a T, at one point he was like, I'm not coming, I'm not coming. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to come. He made an absolute prick out of Conte. Now he's one of the best players in the league because Conte is a very good. And it was it was uh, it wasn't, wasn't Conte. Conte. Was it Conte? Uh, was it Europe? Uh, no, 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 But he's still there. He's still there though. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Actually, you know what? I've got to hold this because if it was Nuno, maybe you're right, Gav. Maybe it's the fact that it's just a better manager. It's not. I don't even. I don't even think it's a better manager. I think. I think we're Aubameyang, and it came to the point where it was. It was a massive point in Arteta's career at Arsenal because if he's seen to be bound down to the don't get me wrong if, if the club captain comes out and says look we're not fucking good enough we need to do this we need to do that we need to do this and the manager bows down and you go well you know what at least he's admitting his faults and he's taking on board what people are saying but if, if your yeah. striker and club captain is walking around the place and he's in he's in Barcelona or he's in somewhere else when he's meant to be in London training yeah how he are done you a, meant to bow down it was, Aubameyang knew that he had to go to Barcelona this January because come the summer, he won't go there. If he'd have waited at Arsenal until the summer transfer window, he wouldn't have gone there because Barcelona wouldn't have wanted him. They'll have gone for someone else. Yeah. Arsenal facilitated the move by cancelling his contract and not yeah. demanding a fee. So okay. Arsenal did their best by the player to allow yeah. him to move and... Okay. How can you not have a plan B? A, a club like Arsenal, who are they supposed to be, who were, who were for 18 years under Arsenal Wenger, she wins for the Champions How can you not say we're, we're losing 20 goals here? Let's have yeah. a contingency in place. And this is my point. This is my problem with Arteta. Every time somebody lauds him and says, I think Mikel Arteta is a fantastic coach, very good coach, but I don't see a manager. Anybody, any manager can put a load of kids he in. He entertains goal, me. Oh, yeah. Ja- it's it's jam yesterday, jam jam tomorrow, but never jam today. And it's always the same shit. Oh, yeah, I'm giving it for me to cop out. Look at what I'm doing for the future of the club. No, your job is to to bring results today. If you're going to ship 20, 20 goals out on principle, which Gav is right, he's probably right to do. You make sure you have a plan B because that's what management. They had is. to bring someone. They tried to bring. I think they tried to bring two players in. They tried Vlahovic. Tried it, 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 was, it was never going to happen. It's and they tried happened. Isaac and. They tried your man at Benfica as well. And you can't force a player to come. Bearing in mind, the clubs that they were coming from, Sociedad had just signed Isaac to a, long, a long-term a deal. And Do you know what I say, though? You're in a January window as well, mate. So. There's an obsession in the game with getting, you know, going to these elite clubs like Benfica, Ajax. You know, is there nobody who can get on the end of things that's torn it up, that's tearing it up in the championship? Like what used to happen years ago. You tell I me the game has changed that much. Exactly. Told you have and for me, for me, for me, like when, exactly when we were linked with Jota, for example, or when we were with, linked with um, 
with the left back who's turning it up, up for us for it was like oh he's being relegated he's not at a big enough club sometimes it's just a player what does he do can you get him to the level quick enough in order to be to, to, to do that I just think there's an obsession with oh no he's not playing at elite standard really yeah. that's really working out for Manchester United but the, yeah but the, but the, but the problem, but the problem is but the problem is we're Arsenal the problem is we're Arsenal there is that Arsenal's if you see an evidence of Arsenal signing players from, as you would call them, second tier teams in Europe, right? And they were qualifying for the Champions League, you go, that's a great recipe for doing what they're doing, right? But they are probably signing from second tier, right? Or lesser, I suppose, standard leagues. Like Tierney from Celtic, good left back. Yeah. He's playing with Celtic, right? But it's not working for them because they're not getting where they want to go. So what happens yeah. is, if they go and sign a player from, they don't sign from Benfica, they go and sign a fella from Braga, right? And they sign him, and it, he gets five goals in fucking 30 games. People go, same old shit. Look, we're signing this fucking fella, and you should be signing from this club, and we're not getting anywhere. That's what the problem is, Russell. They're actually not mm. seeing any results for them trying to have a way of doing things. And look, I'm not, I'm not one to turn around and say, spend 80, 90 million on Vlahovic or, or whoever else you were looking for. If you have the right player, you have the right player. But Arsenal have no results. They have no, they've nothing to put up on a, on a presentation to anyone and go, look who we signed. We got these three players for 65 million combined and we're out to get into the Champions League. We're out to go up three places in the last three mm. seasons in the league and we've won a cup. I mean, they don't have any of that. Yeah. So, so, it's actually not doing them any good. So you have to start looking at Elite Detroit and that's just to get them to the bare minimum. They, they had, like, going back, Peter's right actually about Kane. Look, he got away with Mora. England captain. That's that's what happens. He sold yeah, for yeah. fucking four months. He, he got away with Mora. Peter's right. Like, I think Neville was called out on the before about he done the thing with Kane, the overlap with Kane. But oh, unbelievable. Thank God for him. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And then he was on Pogba's case. But going back to Arsenal, yeah, like, but that's that's the man that was should already, be there was, there was a, Yeah, exactly. There's there's reports for years coming out of Arsenal that China was a holiday camp. Fellas fucking just I'm not even talking about lateness and stuff like that, just more fucking the intensity wasn't there. Kind of the end of Vanguard, then Emery comes in, he's kind of weak in the role. Arteta ends up coming in now. And in fairness to him, he got rid of Gwen Doozy straight away, thought he was a bad egg. He obviously had his issues with with, with a um, and he, he thought best thing to do there for the culture was to get rid of him. So I mean, I think I think you kind of have to admire that. I personally do anyway. I think he's he's put his balls out. On the I table definitely admire the Abami young one. Yeah, he's, he's he's put his balls out on the table and he said, "Look, I'm going to live and die by this." Right? Listen, he's going to get stick because, as I said before, if they don't get it this year, will they get it next year? Spurs will have if they get to have Champions League money. You know, we'll have a new manager. Who knows what's going to happen there? And then you have the others as you were. So, like, it's going to be tough for him. But, I mean, he had to change some, he had to change the culture because it wasn't, like, Arsenal fans ran Arsene Wenger out of the club for getting fourth every year. And what did he win? Three FA Cups in five years or something like that. Mm. And and he was fucking ran out of the club or three and four years. Ran out of the club. So, he had to, they, the fans and him obviously got stale in their relationship towards each other or whatever way you want to put it. They, like they've had, they've had a fall, and then they need the fucking, and then they obviously need to need to have a reset. And he's he thinks that's the best way to do it. He'll be time will tell whether he's proven right or not. It's they're definitely they're definitely one of the losers of the weekend. Um, are, you, are you laughing at Red Steve? 
Yeah. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Um, yeah. I had to throw it up there. I couldn't let it go. Um, he definitely, he definitely makes the right decision on Aubameyang because he he's trying to build a culture at that club, and and he has to not only build a culture but build up a, a, a reputation with his players as well. You know, we work hard. Um, we do the right things. We're all in it together. And Aubameyang simply wasn't doing that. Club captain. This is the Aubameyang that when they were shy, um, was swerving interviews after games and sending kids out to do them instead. So, mm. listen, they're better off without my opinion. Um, but Their but, biggest problem, though, mate, is if they didn't do it this season with Europa League. I think League, they're going to get plundered. Yeah, with Europa League next year, they're done. They don't yeah. have a squad deep enough and they don't have the money. They had a big summer. They spent big last summer. I don't know if they can go again this this summer in the, with what they need to do. Because what they need this summer coming is volume. They need to keep what they have, but they need a volume of players. I think they they're need to keep players what they have in. They don't get top. Yeah, I think they're in trouble. And, and as well as yeah. that, you're saying volume, but I go back to it. Where did he buy? What market did he decide to buy? In? And we've seen this with Liverpool going back years ago. We're always yeah. buying at the, you know, we're not buying at the top table. We're at the, we're at the second table, you know, and we're, we're trying to do deals. And you can buy from the second table, provided you've got a coach who can develop. Yeah, and a culture around. I'm developing. not saying, but you I'm, not saying could, I'm not saying he couldn't develop them, Kev. I'm not saying he couldn't develop. He could not develop them. But what I'm saying is, their their types of players that they're signing is not working for them. I'll put it to you this way: if we signed the players Arsenal signed. They would be good for Liverpool, right? And that's like not Gabriel, only, people like that. that. But that's yeah. But that's not only the manager; it's the man, it's the coaching staff, it's the it's the medical staff, it's the you know people that are there for your mental health. It's everyone pulling together. Like Klopp never shuts up about it. He, if if he if he was to get them all together, there'd be about forty of them there. Or with his manager in the month of war going, look, they're all deadly. Arteta comes out and brings all his staff out, right? But this, but it's not working for them, Kev. And no. that's that's where they that's where they struggle because they don't even though they make what you think are quite good signings, there's something not there that they just don't develop them. They don't have experience. Well. Well, well, there's the one thing that they didn't buy. They never bought in an experienced pro, a James Milner. You know, someone who can instill that kind of professionalism. It's not a model. They, they've got yeah, a, good, a really a good crop of kids. The likes of Martinelli. I think Martinelli's yeah. a great little player. Saka, another yeah. one. Odegaard from from Madrid. Odegaard has been bumped around from club to club to club while he was at Madrid, and mm. he finally got a home in North London. And he looks like he's a proper player. Emil Smith Rowe. I'll tell you the, the best example of what you're saying is for years and years at, towards the end of Arsene Wenger's reign, they really needed a goalkeeper. Really did. Oh, the likes yeah. of Shea given likes of Shea given Mark Sforza were knocking around, and you were thinking to yourself. Just take a chance on one of them and solve your problems. And they wouldn't. They kept, they bought two Polish kids. You know, they were, it was all about development, develop. Because sometimes the pride is like, no, that's not what we're about. So you just need to buy. You, you know what they've done? What, you it, it, what you're saying there is right. But what they've done is developed a goalkeeper for Juventus in Chesney and another one in Fabianski. You know, a good solid Premier League pro. And now who Harry Ramsdale's in goal. Who bedded so, their teeth at Arsenal. There you go. <laughs> so, but look, um, enough for Arsenal. I'm sure they'll come up between now and the end of the season. Oh. But yeah, I think they're a good show um, for <laughs> yeah. the week. Uh, what have we got left? Davo, are we back to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. My loser of the week, yeah. Is, Who is uh, it? Neville. Fucking right it is. I know. I fucking, I, knew, I know you'd like this one. Just... 
like, I told you my, my winner and loser was kind of tied together. How that man can sit in Sky Sports studio and still pedal the line and double down on the line that Conte wasn't right for United and there was no way United should have taken him. And this, that, and the other. It's fucking beyond me. I just, I, I can't fathom it. Right, fair enough, Gary. He might only stay for three years. But he's going to be fucking decent. Well, he's going to be a hell of a lot better than he's are now so for them three years. Well, yeah, no, we're not listening. I've, I've, I've marked just it was, it was the Conte one that got me thinking because he, he keeps doubling down on it, keeps coming down. Even though you look at the directory spores around the way you know, the towel has come in from the players you know, the point ran, Nick was fucking laughable. I know you're going to talk about his mate Solskjaer that he fucking he, he never talked about, Gav. He, 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 he let him away with more. But to be doubling down and saying, you know, it shouldn't have gone for Conte is absolutely fucking laughable from a fellow with so-called so much football knowledge. And I, I, I'm going to get off it now and let you have your get up on your soapbox. But he t- he's, he's been telling people up until leaving a couple of weeks ago that Hodgson going in at Watford will make them hard to beat and he'll do a good job there and they might have a chance of staying up. But they're fucking dreadful. He was appointed in the fucking 24th of January and they've won two games in fucking 11 or 12. They're gone. They're fucked. Shy, do you know what I mean? Fucking like fair enough. Hodgson, but, but Davo, they uh, won that we weren't smashed to bits by Liverpool Cup, yeah, two or three like, weeks and, ago. And and I think I, and it was that overlap that was released last week. He was saying I could see Watford getting over because Hodgson's in there and they know what they're doing. And like he was, he was comparing them to Lampard, not knowing like relegation battle, which is really fair enough. You want to fucking compare them to Lampard, but. Like Hodgson's not getting fucking offered out of that. Absolutely no chance. And he's still doubling down that he's that he's a he's a man a good manager knows what he's doing. Blah blah blah. He'll make them hard to be. He's not making them hard to be. They're fucking handy to be. So yeah, look at my losers of the week for them two things. Listen, I'm sure there's more, but I, I don't know how he's doubling down on some of his shy takes. So it's Gary Neville for me. Davo, can I ask you a question before I um get on that soapbox yeah. you were talking about? Yeah. How do you think Gary Neville's reaction was when Jose Mourinho got the job at Manchester United? Um, I'd say he was happy enough to be honest. Yeah, I'm so trying to I. think back. So, yeah, so, so would I. Enough. So would I. That, that's enough. To, no further questions, right? So his argument over Conte would be that he turns up and he wouldn't. Um, he would only stay for three seasons. Jose Mourinho was always only going to stay for three seasons, Max mm. at Manchester United, because that's what he does. Okay. Um, Antonio Conte. Then he claimed that the style of football. Um, I think with regards to Antonio Conte, wouldn't be something that United would like to see. The chances of Antonio Conte winning more games from me, um, as opposed to Ralph Ranić or indeed whoever they bring in, is p- probably higher. There's more probability he'd win more games. Style of football is a fucking myth, right? In football, and all this the United way, it's absolute on utter bollocks. Right, and I'll tell you why. Liverpool had a way where it was pass and move, pass and move. And I watched Liverpool in the late nineties under Roy, Roy Evans, where they would pass you to fucking death and do nothing with it. Right, I watched Arsenal when Arsene Wenger should have left in around two thousand ten. He was there eight years too too long, in my opinion. Right, where they done this tiki taka tappy fucking bullshit, and they call it the Arsenal way, and they done fuck all. Right, mm. they won FA Cups, right, uh, and FA Cups when other teams didn't give a fuck about the FA Cup. Let's be honest about it. Liverpool don't give a fuck about the FA Cup, but they've managed to drop themselves in the semi final and will show some interest now. All right, so this whole United Way thing is utter, complete and utter shit, and it's actually one of the things they absolutely need to get away from if they want to resurrect this club because if you continue doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, that's a huge, huge issue, right? Gary Neville. I said it the other day, he should be ignored at all costs. 
And I mean that. Okay, because he is literally a man on Sky Sports, okay, that is changing his mind week on week. Okay. He's also um trying to pretend like he has an input on Manchester United and he has them uh, the best things at heart for Manchester United, all right? Okay. But he was the man that stood in Old Trafford, right? And applauded fans of Manchester United running into that ground to stop a game against Liverpool and putting the club he supposedly loves right, up in the dock. Now, they never, nothing really happened to Bearer, but he was willing to United to look that bad. That's meant to be his club for the sake of a few fans running in. Yeah? He's into politics now as well. He's decided that he wants, he's going to run Labour and he's going to tell the government what to do. By all means, have a go with the government if you're not happy about it. But the soapbox he gets on is absolutely atrocious. Right? And he keeps doubling down and he keeps doubling down and he keeps doubling down, right? Because you know why, Davo? Because this isn't punditry anymore. Right? This is the the old saying, um today is news is, is tomorrow's fucking shit paper. That's yeah. exactly the routine he runs on. I'll say this today, people won't remember it tomorrow, and I'll tell you something different. And wherever I think will come off the best, I will absolutely go and do it. Gary Neville I just can't understand why people listen to him. I can't understand why people tolerate him, right? And he's doing more damage, more damage to Manchester United than actual good, despite what he thinks. That's my opinion on Gary Neville. Yeah. Lose of the week, absolutely fucking lutely. Because it, yeah. do you know what he should do? He should stick to putting his finger up against these screens and dragging circles and triangles and fucking arrows and look at the game. And I'm not saying he doesn't know the game, but look at the yeah. game. Right, and analyze the game like he used to at Sky Sports, but it's now he, he has a circus around him week on week on week, and that's where the issue is. From. Anybody no, else want to say anything about politics? Politics, politics is, is, is his strength. I actually like his <clears> politics. I think you know, I mean, let's face it, the Conservative Party in England, England is an absolute disgrace, it's just a, a circle of lies. And I do admire the things he, you know, I, I, li- I like the Labour movement, he's the closest thing to what Labour really means but with regard to football i completely agree with you gav it's it's whatever way the wind is blowing and it's not i find that never when he gets emotional it's all about what he wants what he wishes he's seeing you know the comment he made back in september of something's not quite right at liverpool what he really means is i want something to not be quite right he's talk he talks and wishes and that's when you kind of say to yourself and I'm sure Jorgen Klopp and the lads are paying attention and just laughing at him. You know, for me, if I'd, I would use his quotes and stick them on our dressing room wall and say, this is what the likes of Rio Ferdinand and Gary Neville are saying about you now. Go out and smash that team to bits again. You know, because that's all they're good for, to be honest with you. I, I prefer to listen to Roy Keane. Roy Keane every week, they must be whinging because he just says it the way he, he just wants to punch them all because it's absolutely falling asunder. They've actually taken him out of the fire tonight because they don't want to hear them anymore. Gary Neville speaks with his wishes. It's not analysis anymore. It's I wish Liverpool were shy. I wish this. I wish Manchester United. You know, oh, you just see that we're trying this and we're trying that. It's it's actually borderline embarrassing at this stage. I now see why when Liverpool were in decline and we they had we had like six or seven lads on the television, ex Liverpool. I see why other supporters kind of thought that was very very painful because I'm sure I'm sure our guys to a lesser extent on the BBC were doing pretty much the same thing. To be honest. Um, Kev, look, another thing you look at is the whole Super League slash UEFA Champions League, and you've seen the in the news over the last couple of months. So he was a big um, 
he was a big <clears> speaker on this and he was completely against this European Super League. Um, there were six clubs, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea, that had agreed to go into this. All of them wrong, in my opinion. Okay. Um, not, not, not for the, the way, of, the way, probably the way it was done. Um, yeah. rather than just, you know, the actual logistics of it and the logistics of it weren't great. But he tells you, Kev, that this is completely wrong. They're completely devaluing, um, domestic football. And I agreed with him to that point. I think it did, um, devalue domestic football. Cause why would you bother on a Saturday when you know you're getting 350 million quid a year to play in this competition that you can never get out of? But he's also the same man that, that told Leeds United not to try in the Premier League. Not to try in the Premier League against Liverpool the couple of days later. So he was going on about the value in the Premier League, but he wanted a team in the Premier League not to fight against these these big boys. Okay? He wanted them to roll over and say, let, let Liverpool score 10. It doesn't matter. They don't want competition. Right? He wanted that competition to devalue itself for his for his own argument, right? Now the Champions League comes along, Kev. Okay. And they're talking about legacy places. And they're all sorts of... And it's not a word out of him. No, it's not a word out of him. And he spent... This guy he might spent, want the TV He rights. spent a week... He spent a week, Kev, right? Yeah. Focusing in on Liverpool Football Club when there were six of them. But he focused in on Liverpool Football Club and he was going on about the, the ethics at Liverpool and his history and the thing. But none about the other ones. None about Manchester United. And now, I, can't, I haven't seen a word from him. He has nothing to say on the Champions League, Kev. You won't. Absolutely yeah. nothing. It won't happen. Purely and simply because there is... A, the deal for the Super League, take everything, how did how badly they got it wrong in some respects. Some of it was right. They were right to want to cut UEFA out. This was always the plan for UEFA, to expand the competition as much as humanly possible. The TV companies, once this dropped with Super League, the first thing the TV companies did, BT and Sky, was one voice. Get the most popular social media accounts on their platforms in one voice saying the same things. Liverpool were the easy ones to target because of this, this, this politics of the city, you know, and the tradition of the club. They were the easiest ones to go after, plus the fact that he hates us anyway. So that made it easier again. But then you see what UEFA have done, and down the line, Sky, or if he's working for BT, or his mates are working for BT, they have cornered the market on the TV rights for UA for the Champions League. Super League was going to be done by the zone. And Sky and BT were going to get cut out of it completely. That's why they were against it. Yeah, no but, B, but yeah, BT but B, there's rumour going around that BT will be sold to the zone anyway. Eventually down the road, maybe. But they're looking to sell their rights to them. They're looking they're looking to share it because they can't because of the way the TV rights system works in the UK you can't have a monopoly on one competition. So they have to spread it about. That's why you, it does, that's why you ended up having shared games between um, Amazon, Sky and BT at one stage, and it was Eurosport, then it was BT Eurosport. And they just want to expand it into an online market just to get more money in the door again. It's, they're not going to give them the rights. The zone will just take on a certain amount of games. There's just so many games now between the Champions League, the Europa League, the Conference League. They're they're fitting games in Conference League games now and Europa League games have been playing Wednesday and Thursday because there's so bloody many. They can't do it all on a Thursday night anymore. You know, and all the 
the Super League did do was create carte blanche for UEFA to do whatever the fuck they like. Because mm. the one thing that the Super League clubs did was the biggest mistake they ever made was resigning from UEFA on the night it was, it was, it was announced. Because the first thing they did was get the guy from PSG to take over at UEFA. And he's the head of the UEFA club delegation. Yeah. Well, I, I and just, then you're seeing the follow-on for the new FFP rules, the new transfer policy ideas, all designed by PSG. Um, Red Steve said it's pronounced Dazen in my house. If you the want, zone. Red Steve. Um, I call it, I don't know what to call it. Every time I look at it, I go, what the fuck is that called? Um, the zone. Yeah, the, the zone, zone, yeah. But um, back on but, to Gary Neville. One second on Gary Neville. Gary Neville is a very, he's a brilliant analyst. When Sky used to do the punditry, when they used to analyse games. On Monday. On a Monday night. Monday night football used to be brilliant to watch because you had 45 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes before a game where they would analyse, properly analyse the weekend's performance. <coughs> and it was worth it because <coughs> Neville and Carragher played off each other brilliantly. They had a great chemistry. They worked on it really well. And it was informative. You come away from watching them analyse a game smarter and you understand the game more. But people don't no. want people don't want that, Kev. What people want is people want to, people no, to, I just, to come on yeah. and say outrageous stuff and then we all click on it and do all that shit. In fairness, that's what this that's what YouTube is for. No I mean we're not, but there are plenty of other shouty Joe channels out there that if you want your yeah. kicks, you can go and click on them. But if I'm paying a hundred euro a month to for Sky Sports, I want to be informed. Well, you're going to be left very disappointed because what I, you're going but to get you know is what of, I, Yeah, but you know what I mean? I, yeah. I want more than a shouty Joe channel. Yeah, right. We have to move on because that was in walking 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> P, I think you're up last um, with your winner of the week. Go. Yeah, Jorgen Klopp and his halftime team talks. I mean, it's to put it simply, in a nutshell, especially for you, Dav, and your shift, how many times have we stunk out the place for 45 minutes? this season and it's usually the 45 minutes that match of the day and all the, the analysts take their oh look at the chances usually offside opportunities by the way against Liverpool they're conceding a lot of chances with this high line myth and how many times has, has Jürgen particularly and I think it really you know on on Sunday really came to the fore how many times has Jürgen brought the boys into the dressing room bear in mind less than a year and a half ago when he lost his assistant or two years ago everybody was saying oh it's, it's going to fall apart Jorgen is all about you know giving people hugs he seems to be able to round the troops at half time even after a, a shit show and completely change the dynamic direction even the energy levels of a football match and so much so that I'm looking at it now at half time going just get to half time if I'm not winning, because I know that he will turn it around at halftime and we'll just put on a performance. I think if you look at the league table, after if every match ended at 45 minutes, it'd be a different story with Liverpool. And I just think, Jorgen, we take it for granted, obviously, as Liverpool supporters. I think it's something that you can't replace. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know how many games I've seen or I've played or you guys have seen or you've played where you have a bad 45 and you just can't lift yourself for the second half. He just seems, it seems to be a specialty with him. So for me, he's the winner of the week, especially going there against them. And that was Manchester United at that, or Manchester City at their very best. And us at 45 minutes of our, uh, you know, after his t team talk for me, we just got it right. So Jorgen and his halftime team talks, my winner of the week. I'm a bit like you. 
I am a bit like you where I say to myself, get the half time. And even if that's drawn, winning, losing, I just, I always feel like Klopp will do something. Um, might be, a, it might even be, a, it might even be a tactical change. You might do nothing tactically. You might personnel, but something always seems to change in Liverpool. Um, mm. where do you go up a gear? And we were saying to the day, that was the first game in 19 or something. They conceded a goal in the first half. So it's not like we're having bad first halves, but I always want to get the half time. Dabo, there's halftime team talks. I think there's a couple of things in this. Yeah, I think loads of Liverpool fans want to get at the halftime, just so and get a hold of them and say, right, we're one nil up. Let's go and make it two or three. Mm. That sounds very simplistic, but you know what I mean? Here's an idea as to how we can do it. Or, you know, um, we're drawn, we have to do this or whatever it might be. Um, and he, he, just to focus them sometimes, I think just to get them in and focus them, not tell them to do that mad, just to focus them. But on top of that, Davo, to, to stretch it out a little bit, his subs for me have got much, much better over the last 12 months. The timing of them, the personnel, um, I'm not even saying they're brave, but he seems to get, he seemed to get more and more subs right as well. Yeah, and I think, I, 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 I don't know whether it was half time in the, in the game or since the game. I think, I think they said, might have been in the commentary, they said, I think we scored 40 odd goals in the second half of matches this year. Which is like a huge number, and obviously the subs coming in uh, really helps that. But obviously, listen, the the, the depth of the squad has, has has gone up a notch. Do you know what I mean? Like for years we were here, and are we going to be able to replace the front three? Well, they're going to replaced now as it is. Maybe one more uh, to come in, uh, and obviously the same at midfield as well. So yeah, look, I think fucking when you when you have the bodies there, Gavin, you're not looking around and you're not looking at Eva Carigi or now listen to I've all the love in the world for Diva cult here on what he's doing at the club, but you know, he's a bit hit and miss when you uh, you don't know what you're gonna get off when you bring him on. So when he's a uh, Minamino or stuff like that who hasn't worked out of worked out for really, but when you're not looking at them and you're looking at the likes of Diaz and that bench was strong yesterday, Joe Gomez can can't get a game. Canate is probably the four subs and the, the the force defensive substitute that'll be made and stuff like that. The squad is very, very strong and uh, he's certainly making use of it very well, yeah. Kev, you know, um, I don't want to get into a conversation about Klopp's contract and what's left because I only get very upset. Um, <laughs> like genuinely upset. Um, but Daza makes a point here. COVID football seemed to have him bored, fed up with the bad look, and now he looks fresh again. Is that a difference in him? I think it. I think it's helped. You know that kind of been easy for anyone. He's an emotional character, and he thrives on he thrives on the crowd and the pressure. You know, it brings the best out of him, and it, in turn brings the best out of his team. You know, he was. Well, I don't know if you guys have seen the Boot Room podcast or, or the Boot Room documentary on BT Sport. I thought it was a phenomenal bit of work. But he was he went out of his way to talk about his team and everything that they bring to the table as well as what he brings. And I we all hope I hope he stays. I, I genuinely do. But I think being in a job with this much pressure for as long as he's been. You need that release. You need to be able to get away from football completely, and your family life has to be rock solid. And I hope that the wife says, "Yeah, you can stay," because I think that's what it's got to come down to. I think it's got to come down to the kids are grown and gone. You know, the kids came over to Liverpool as teenagers. 
they're off at university now or they're off flying the nest. So it's just the two of them. And if she wants to stay, he stays. If she wants to go home, they go home. You know, we should uh, be just he, sending him a load of drink and a load of smokes at the end mm, of May. I think you need to sweet talk time. to Mrs. May. I think if you sweet talk to Mrs., you might have a you might have a really good chance. Yeah. There's been a bit Kev made of words he said, like you know, um, he's speaking to Peter Crouch, I think, and he says, um, yeah, in the next couple of years or more, maybe, um, you know, and he's kind of. People yeah. are hoping he's slipping. He's very up. media savvy. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp is very media savvy. You know, before he he took on the job at Dortmund and he was at Mainz, he was a TV celebrity in Germany. He did the TV punditry gig. Mm. You know, he he was a he was a pundit, I think, in the World Cup in Germany. He knows that he knows the media. He knows how to work <laughs> the media. And if he wants to engineer a situation where he gets the maximum out of a contract for Liverpool, he drops little phrases in like that. He doesn't say many things by accident. You know, he 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 has this turn of phrase where he goes the way he speaks is he he exaggerates little things in the way he talks, but he drops little pearls and little nuggets in there and he drops them in there for a reason. You know what I mean? It's I I don't know if he's trying to engineer a a, a top contract or seeing what's on offer maybe, I don't know. But we'll see. Yeah, I look. Um, I mean, that was the most important halftime team talk of the season. Yeah, and we got and got and forty six seconds, and and you know and what? He, he was he was only in there for like ten. Yeah, he minutes. came out early. He came out early. Came out himself, really early, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, just let, he trusts the players. You know, he's assembled a really experienced squad now, mm-hmm. and he trusts them implicitly. Yeah, because when you speak to him, do you say to him what do you say? And he goes, "I don't say an awful lot," but I think mm-hmm. I think it's the I think you thing is just focus. I think getting getting them focused back onto what they're meant to be doing because look, City were good in the first half, right? Um, yesterday, Liverpool weren't, and it was true a lack of. I think you know, well, it was due to City pressing really high, but Liverpool weren't focused on what they were trying to do. They were getting caught up in all sorts of stuff, and when you focus, when you get when he gets them a half time or you know there's an injury, and he pulls a few of them over, and he focuses them again, and they seem to go, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry about that, right? Here we go and do it again, and they never make the same mistake twice, sort of thing. But um, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Emma Cavanagh says Ula is was in the away end. Um, sorry, Kevin Ball and a few more have said his wife was in the away end against C- Dicko. Um, and yeah. Dicko said it, and Ula was in the away. In with the away fans singing his new song. She's hooked. She'll get into science as Emma Cavanagh. <laughs> I hope you're right. Uh, Real Talk Football TV says Klopp will stay. He likes the competition with Pep. They both need each other. We'll have to wait and see, but you have two years of um, oh. at least enjoy every single minute of it. Um, well, we've done enough now. Davo has to go. He's like, he's probably late for work. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's probably late for work. I mean, apologise for that, but anything else before we go, Davo? Uh no, just looking forward to getting the job done on Wednesday. I don't want any messing like the end of the game. I don't, want, I don't want to be behind the couch of five minutes to go, even though we're ahead and angry. Get a couple of goals up and fucking cruise it for fuck's sake. But yeah, looking forward to Good stuff. Um, anything before we go, Kev? No, all good, man. Same as Davo. Looking forward to Wednesday night now. Okay, good stuff. Anything else before we go, P? Stuck in today's end off. Okay, good stuff. Um, tomorrow night. Uh, we will have the midweek fix. Keith is hosting that. Having a clue who's on with him. We will sort that out tomorrow. Um, 
Wednesday, we'll have the full-time Reds, which is cool. Um, Thursday, I think we might have a day off. Friday, we'll be back with Sports Unplugged. Um, and Saturday, we will, we will have full-time Reds after the FA Cup game as well. So, loads coming. I'll try to get a couple of cop updates in at the minute. <laughs> but I'm genuinely being told what to do by a nine-year-old all week um, while I renovate a bedroom. And, like, trust me, I'd rather fucking... Um, take the abuse e- off her. Eat um, the wallpaper, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather... I'd look... Um, the abuse off users for not doing that show is nothing compared to what I have to listen to. And um, yeah, that's just the way life is. Um, that has been Winners and Losers. Thanks a million for watching. Failicon is up on your screen. It says on the screen, link in the description. In the description for this show is the link to Failicon. It's a brilliant, brilliant charity. Donate if you can. If you can't, just share it to everyone. Like, if everyone shares it, it would be fucking everywhere, wouldn't it? It's not in enough places. I'm not happy about it. Um, so make sure you donate. And if you can't, share, share, share. And as I said, <coughs> if you're out there and you want to do something with mates where you raise some money for Failicon, we'll do everything we can to help you. That has been it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out. Sports Social Podcast Network.